Hey guys, it's a great day to live for Jesus. My name is Pastor Mike Grover, and this is the In the Word podcast, a twice-weekly devotional journey through the New Testament, where together we will stop, look, and learn what the Lord has to say to us today. So in the Word today, we are in uh, Matthew 15 and beginning in verse 21, and let me read that. It says, Jesus went there and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil or a demon. But he answered her not a word. Interesting, Augustine said, The word said not a word. Uh, Very unusual for Jesus not to give an answer, but he just sat silent at her request. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not me, or it's not fitting, or it's not right, to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And verse 28, and I love this word, then, then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith, be it unto you even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So very interesting story. Looking at the background here, it says, Um, He departed away and really ended up 50 miles to the north outside of really the territory of Israel. One thing we learn in Mark's account in Mark chapter 7 and verse 24 that Matthew doesn't tell us is that he went there, he went into a house, and it says there that he would not have any man know it. In other words, he was trying to get away. So Jesus goes up there, he goes into a house there, And he really doesn't want anyone to know that he's there. But somehow this woman finds out, this non-Jewish Syrophoenician woman of Canaan, and uh, she goes to him. Now in this setting, what we find is Jesus is in a place that would really be out of the comfort zone of the Jews. Josephus said this about the people of that area. He said they have ill feelings toward us. So it's kind of like Elijah. It's the same area that Elijah went to when he went to the woman um, who had the son and he stayed with them. It's that same area, the same culture, that same anti-Jewish sentiment. But it's in this place, this foreign land, this unusual context, away from the most religious of the day, the Pharisees, that we see Jesus the only time in Scripture where he says to a person, you have great faith. Now there's another place where he talks about the Roman centurion in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 10, where it talks about him having great faith, but he doesn't say it to him. It says he said it to those who followed him. So this is the only time in scripture where Jesus is actually talking to someone and commending them directly for their great faith. Now, I don't know about you, but what Jesus would have to say to me personally and directly and to my face, man, that would be um, memorable. 
that would be life altering. That would be something that, man, that would kind of become the mission statement of life. So here's the situation. And this woman comes to Jesus and she calls him son of David. So she gives him this very formal messianic kind of theological greeting. And she asks him to have mercy on her because her daughter is possessed with a devil. And so you see this back and forth dialogue beginning there in verse 22. And to her request of healing for her daughter, which you see her faith here. She's not a Jew. She's not of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She's an outsider. Yet she understands there's something special about Jesus that's not found in her culture and in her religion. And she requests this. And what does Jesus do? Silence. Man, birds chirping, not a word. Very unusual response of Christ. And what's her response to her, his silence in verse 25? The Bible says she worshipped him. She's not repelled by his silence. She's actually drawn in by his silence. And what does he do? She shows him greater homage, greater trust, greater faith. She worships him and says, Lord, help me. Man, what a simple and wonderful prayer. Lord, help me. I prayed that prayer this morning, preparing this devotion. Lord, help me. Lord, give me something from this and give me something to say to these people who need to hear from you today. What a wonderful prayer that you can pray anytime, a simple prayer. Lord, help me. And his response to her is, uh, and the disciples, the disciples are like pretty much saying, give her what she wants so she'll leave us alone. They were very compassionate, weren't they? And just kind of let's get her out of our hair. Let's go ahead and put some gas in the car and get her on down the road. But what does Jesus say? He says, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now we understand Jesus is the Savior of the world, but he also came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel to fulfill specific promises that were made distinctly for them as God's earthly people. He even told the disciples back in Matthew 10 that they were only to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And the woman's response at this um, was complete persistence and humility. And in verse 27, she said, uh, excuse me, it says to the response of that, she came and she worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. And then verse 26, his final response, he answered and said, it's not fit to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Now, when you look at this, you have to understand Jesus was not being mean here. It feels mean to us. And in our culture, that would be a completely rude thing to say. But in the culture of that day, it was a well-established fact that there was a hard line drawn between the Jews and between their neighbors religiously. And the Jews would refer to the outsiders as dogs. Now, the word Jesus uses here for dogs is not that harshest of terms. It's kind of like a little bantering. It's like the little dogs. And we don't have the privilege of hearing the tone of Jesus' voice we can almost hear him in that rabbinical way, drawing her into this conversation. And in my mind, almost with maybe a little bit of a chuckle in his voice, he says, yeah, but uh, the crumb, you know, we can't give the children's bread and throw it to the little puppies chirping around the table here. 
And she says, yes, Lord, but we can eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Man, this woman would not be denied. His silence, his clarification that his mission's not completely to her, it's to the Jews, and even a little bit of a cultural pushback toward her. But his intention here was not to be mean. His intention was drawing out her faith. Now, some people say, well, Jesus wanted to see how she would respond. Well, I reject that at hand because Jesus knew how she would respond because he's the son of God. It's kind of like in the garden where God says, Adam, where are you? Uh, God knew where Adam was. God wanted Adam to know where Adam was. Well, he knew this woman's response. This woman needed to see her response. Do you realize she is becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, a committed follower of Christ, but she's going to be doing it living in a strange land outside of people of faith. She's going to have a hard life. She's going to have persecution. She's going to have difficulty following Jesus. And she doesn't need some weak, you know, milquetoast faith. Man, she needs a strong, rock-solid faith. So what Jesus is doing in this moment, he is discipling her to a greater faith. And he's drawing it out. Why? Because she needed to see her faith. She needed to understand the depths of her conviction of following Christ. Why? That would serve her well. But not only did she need to see it, man, her, his disciples needed to see it. They didn't see value in this woman. They just saw her as an annoyance to get out of the way so they could go on with business. But you know what they needed to see? They needed to see the object lesson of what truly great faith looked like. So Jesus here is drawing it out for her to see. That's a moment of discipleship. For them to see, that's another moment of discipleship. And we just really don't know the tone of how he's doing this. And we can only imagine that. And so when she says this, what is Jesus' response? He says to her, great is your faith. And like I said, there's only two times in the Bible, in the New Testament, where Jesus talks about people having great faith. And it's this woman and it's a Roman centurion. Both instances where Jesus acknowledged great faith in people, they were not Jews. They were not his chosen people. They were not inner circle people. They were outsiders that were looking in. So only two times he commended people for great faith. This is the only time he said it directly to that person. As I said in Matthew 8.10, the other time he said it to the crowd about that person. And so great faith, Now I love what Guzik said, some comments on this. He said, great faith is found in unexpected places. It wasn't found in Israel. It wasn't found in the church house. It was found on the outskirts. It was found on the fringes of society. It was found in a place you wouldn't expect. See, we like our Christianity neat and tidy and clean, but you know, that's not how the Bible presents mankind or even believers. Uh, the Bible paints a very honest and messy picture of things. And you know what? This is what we see here. He said, Guzik said, great faith is found in unexpected places. But then he also said this, great faith is sometimes measured from its disadvantages. She didn't have the advantage of the formal training of a Jew. 
She didn't have the vantage of their cultural acceptance. She was a Syrophoenician woman. She wasn't one of them. But you know, that great faith that we can have um, can be measured from its disadvantages. And what I mean by that is our faith is typically not strengthened when we're up on the mountain and everything's going well. It's down in the difficult times. It's down in the valley. So if we truly say, God, make me a person of great faith, you know, the other side of that, we're probably saying, God, um, use me in difficult circumstances. And so maybe you push back on difficult circumstances. Maybe you have a why, God, why me? Um, Well, what is this Bible verse here teaching us and instructing us? It's that it's those very circumstances that produce the great faith that really honors and pleases him that worships him. And then the third thing is this, is great faith is often greatest when it's expressed on behalf of others. She wasn't asking anything for herself. Well, kind of in a sense, for her daughter to be healed would be for her to have comfort. But you know, in her intercession here, and and by the way, what we see in this woman above all else in this great faith, it's perseverance and intercession. This is someone who will not be denied, but really pouring out their heart and soul for their children. Cheryl and I are doing a parenting seminar next weekend, and that's something we're going to talk about at one point in the second session, about that intercession, the importance of that intercession. This woman got that. She understood that. And, you know, she said, have mercy on me. She so identified with someone else's suffering that she made it her own suffering. That's intercession. When I can feel my way into someone else's hurt to where their hurt becomes my hurt and their burden becomes my burden, and that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. On the cross, your burden became Christ's burden. Your sin became Christ's sin. Your problem became Christ's problem. And then his sacrifice became your sacrifice. Man, His pleasing of the Father became your pleasing of the Father. That's what intercession is all about. It's walking in the way of the cross. And so we see this. The mission of Jesus Christ carried Him, man, to the far fringes of the field. But her faith brought her to the very center of His heart. That's instructive. As we live for Jesus today... Man, our mission for Christ, our desire to live for Him, it should carry us to the far fringes of the field. Not just to people that are like us, not just to people that are easy, but to the hard cases, to the despised case, to the person who's not like us at all. So we want great faith. Well, then here's the word for the day. Don't run from the difficulty you may face today. It may very well be God's incubator of great faith in your life. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey together through the New Testament.